Dear Christina, how can I let go of the past and move forward with joy? Well, the truth is you can't really let go of anything until you master one key skill. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you in this video. Let's do this. Hello, beautiful soul. It's good to see you. This is Christina Lopes, the Heart Alchemist, here to help you open your heart, heal your past, and live with purpose. If you're new to my videos, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss one of my weekly videos going forward. This week I got a question from a viewer and it was about letting go of the past and how you move on and move forward with joy. But before I get into answering this question, I want to define a couple of terms in the question. So I want to get started with this video with the definition of a couple of terms. The first one, I got myself some nice colored paper. The first one I want to talk about is the past. Okay. So what does this viewer mean by the past when she's asking the question? This is a very general question, so she didn't really give me a lot of details. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to define the past in very broad terms so that it can kind of, you know, maybe you can identify with some of these scenarios. So uh, right off the bat, we know that what she means is that the past is something painful, right? Because if it weren't painful, you wouldn't want to let go of it. So we're talking about painful past experiences, and here are some scenarios that you may fit into. So the past could refer to childhood abuse, any kind of childhood trauma that you endured. Maybe you had narcissistic parents or parents that abandoned you. Something happened to you in your childhood that was traumatizing and painful, and you've carried that with you into the future. The past could also mean, you know, a relationship that broke apart in your life and you're having a lot of difficulties letting go of, of that situation. The past could be just something painful that happened to you in adult life. It doesn't have to be in childhood. It could be something painful that has happened to you that caused just so much grief and pain in your life and you don't know how to let go of that. But the past can also mean, and I want to put this in here because this happens to all of us, right? The past can mean that it was something that was done to you, but the past can also mean something that you did to someone else. So maybe you've deeply hurt someone else and now you don't know how to make amends. You don't know how to go back and change the situation. And you're feeling with a lot of shame. You're, you're dealing with shame and grief and all these kinds of things because it was you that did something to someone else. So these are all scenarios of what the past can be in your life. So I wanted to start off there. If you don't fit this scenario, that's okay. <laughs> no worries. There's probably something in your past that you also wish to let go of. And so this video will still be pertinent to you, even if I hadn't, haven't hit the, uh, your, your situation perfectly. Okay. Now to the second term uh, in this question that I want to define, and I'm bringing in my, my little paper. It's the let go part. Okay. Let go. Now, the reason that I'm harping on this one, and I'm going to go into this one really deep here is because the concept of letting go has been really ingrained in our culture and it's been ingrained in our culture because it's attractive. <laughs> letting go of something is really attractive, right? If I come up to you and you're carrying this horrible weight 
and you're just, you can't walk, you can't move, there's just so much weight on you, and I say to you, hey, why don't you just let that go? And you drop the weight out of your hands, suddenly you're lighter. <laughs> so the concept of letting go is very attractive for us, especially for the ego, because when you can let go of something, you're not bothered anymore. So this has been, this concept of letting go has really been something that's ingrained in our culture all around the world. And here's the thing, letting go, seeing the concept of letting go in this way that I'm just going to drop something and it's gone. It's kind of an illusion. <laughs> all right. And it's a painful illusion. It's been very painful for us to over the millennia consider letting go as something that is a natural progression. That's exactly, oh yeah, something really painful happened to me. I could just let it go. There it is. It's gone. <laughs> That's not really how it works. <laughs> and it's caused so much pain for so many of us. This idea that letting go is as simple as it looks. It's not. So we all love the idea of letting go because there's an underlying assumption here that I really want you to see. This is going to be really valuable for you. The assumption behind the idea that we can let go of something, the assumption behind it is that that weight has no value. It's only negative. It's just dead weight. It has no value to you. So why don't you just let it go? This is a false assumption. <laughs> This is a false assumption. So when you're looking at your past or some kind of painful experience that happened to you or that you did to someone else, when you're looking at your past through this lens that it's dead weight, that's only harmful to you, you're never actually going to get there. You're never going to get to the letting go. So I'm going to give you another image to show you that letting go, it's not really like dead weight that you just drop. I'm going to give you another image. So imagine that you're looking at a kid going to school, you know, let's say they're in middle school or whatever, and they have a backpack full of books and they're walking into school and you notice that they're almost leaning back because they have so many books in their bag and the bag is so heavy. So would you go up to this child and say, Hey, just drop your backpack and go to school without it. Would you ever say this to a child? No, no, you wouldn't. Why? Because you understand the inherent value in that backpack. In that backpack, it's full of books, books that that child needs. There's a lot of information and knowledge. There's a lot that the child can learn from that's in that backpack. So you would never tell a child to let go of their backpack and just go to school without it because they would be missing so many opportunities to learn and evolve. So this is the image that I want you to start taking forward when it has to do with your past. Your past is not dead weight. And this is why so many of us have a really hard time letting go because we think that our past is just dead weight and that we have nothing to learn from it. And therefore we can just let it go. So I, I struggle with, with this concept a lot with clients. You know, I would say that of the, you know, so many clients, probably hundreds by now that I have worked with closely, 90% of them, I would say, come to me. And when I start talking about the past with them, they will automatically say, no, I've done a lot of work on the past. I think I've let everything go. <laughs> and lo and behold, as soon as we start to work together, we find out that in fact, what they thought they had let go of, it had not been let go of truly. Okay. And it was precisely because of this. It was because 
People were working really hard to let something go without learning the lessons and without understanding what the experience caused in them. You see, they were, it was like they, was try, they were trying to let go of the school bag, not understanding that the information in that school bag is so important. So this is important for you to understand is that your past is not dead weight that has no value to you. That's not true. And until you understand this, you won't be able to let go of it. I've also worked with a ton of people and people send me emails about this all the time where they say to me, I'm working really hard to let go of the past. I'm working really hard to forgive a certain person for what they did to me. And I just feel like I'm working so hard at this and I can't do it. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and what they're doing, this is actually really natural because this is why the concept of letting go is detrimental to us because here's what's going on. I made another little drawing for you. Letting go is a natural byproduct of healing. Okay. So you can never let go of something that you have not healed. <laughs> okay. So here's my little figure. Okay. So here's the past and what people are trying to do, what so many of us try to do. And I did this too in my life is we are trying to go from the past and we're trying to jump over healing and get to letting go and forgiveness. <laughs> this is not possible. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to add an arrow here, a more important arrow. The way to get to letting go is no work at all. The, the process of letting go is no work at all because here's what you do. In order to truly let go, you have to go through healing. <laughs> okay. So letting go of the past is a natural byproduct of healing. You cannot let go of the past if it has not been healed. So from here on in, <laughs> in this video now, in the second part of this video, I want to focus on healing the past. That's what the question should be. Okay. The question shouldn't be, how do I let go of the past and move on uh, with life? The question should be, how do I heal the past? Okay. How do I heal the past? Because unless I heal the past, I will never be able to let it go because it's not really dead weight. It's a book bag. <laughs> it's a book bag. You see, if that kid going to school full of his, with his book bags, if he had, for example, photographic memory and he took the books out of his book bag and he started reading them one by one and he memorized everything that's in the books, then yes, he wouldn't need the books anymore and he could throw that backpack away. You see? So it's the concept of you must heal. You must heal the past. You must understand it. You must heal it. And then letting go, it's no work at all. It just happens by itself. Forgiveness is no work at all. If you're finding yourself working at forgiving, it's because you're trying to bypass the step of healing. Don't bypass healing. Okay. If you concentrate on healing, forgiveness and letting go, it comes naturally. Forgiveness is actually one of the easiest things to do if you do the work of healing. <laughs> if you don't do the work of healing and you're trying to jump over into the letting go and the forgiveness phase, it's too, it's too premature. Then you can't really forgive and you can't really let go because the healing work has not been done. Now, here's an important question that I want to add to the mix here before I get into more details on how exactly we do heal the past. The question is out of curiosity, why do you think 
All of us at some point in our lives try to jump over (laughs) healing and go right into the process of letting go and forgiveness. Why do we jump over healing? Why do we bypass healing? Well, there are two reasons. And and in explaining these two reasons, this is going to help you really kind of process and heal this whole process. It's going to help you understand this better. The first reason that we try very hard to jump over from the past into letting go without going through the healing is that our egos are protecting us or trying to protect us, okay? So I want you to think about the ego as a self-protection mechanism. There's many more facets to the ego, but just for the purpose of this conversation, I want you to think of the ego as a self-protection mechanism, all right? So the ego sees emotional pain and trauma in the same way that your body sees a flame. (laughs) So think about this image. If you go up to a burning flame and you put your hand over it, your body is going to force you to recoil. Why? Because that flame burns, it's hurting you. And as a self-protection mechanism, your body recoils your hand, okay? This is natural. This is a natural part of our protection, uh, our protective instincts, okay? But here's the thing, people don't realize this, but the ego sees emotional pain and trauma in the same way that your hand sees a flame. It will attempt to recoil from it because emotional pain, especially for empaths, and if you're watching this video and if you follow me, more likely than not, you are a highly sensitive person, you are an empath, and an empath and highly sensitive people have a tremendous amount of difficulties processing and healing at first, when before they learn how to be powerful empaths, at first, it's very difficult for us to learn to heal and process pain because when we're trying to heal, our egos are going, no, 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 this is painful. Stay away from this. Stay away from this. Recoil, move, <laughs> red flags, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so the ego is constantly trying to protect us by avoiding anything that's painful, any kind of inner emotional state that's painful, your ego will recoil from. This is why, this is one of the reasons why we try and jump over the healing phase because the healing phase is not comfortable. It's not comfortable for an empath, for a highly sensitive person. And so the ego attempts to protect us by recoiling and running away from the healing phase. This is why so many of us try to get to the, try to jump over and go to the letting go because letting go is much easier, isn't it? If I can just, oh, here we go. I just dropped that weight. On I go. My life is all figured out. Do you think that that's really how it works? No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. It's just an illusion. And this is why we struggle for so many years with this whole idea of letting go and of forgiving. And this is why, you know, sometimes we get really annoyed. I'm sure this has happened to you. It's happened to me for sure, where you're going through a really hard time and, you know, you go out for coffee with a friend and you say to a friend, you know, you start talking about the issues that you're having and all of this. And what does your friend say? They just turn to you and they say, you know, why are you still holding on to that? You know, let that go. Like, that's not good for you. Just let it go. (laughs) You see, so many people tell us to let go of things because it's ingrained in our culture. But 
As you know by now, you cannot let go of anything until you have healed it. So that's the first reason. The first reason for why we try to bypass healing is because the ego is trying to protect us because internal emotional pain is really painful to the ego and to an empath, just like your hand being over a flame would be very painful. The second reason why we try to jump over healing and right into the forgiveness and letting go phase is because we have a very difficult relationship with death. <laughs> now, what the heck does this have to do with healing? What does death have to do with healing? Everything. So we have a really difficult concept, not concept, we have a difficult relationship with death. We have a difficult relationship with endings. <laughs> you see, we have a difficult relationship with loss. Okay. And all of these facets, these, all of these facets are a part of death. Okay. And until you become comfortable with death in whatever form it takes in your life, you'll never be comfortable with life because life and death come hand in hand. And if you're not comfortable with death, if you're not comfortable with loss, if you're not comfortable with endings, then you'll never be able to heal because in order to heal, you have to be able to lose. You have to be able to die <laughs> and you have to be able to allow endings to come and complete themselves. Okay. Because you can't have births, <laughs> you can't have gains, <laughs> and you can't have beginnings unless you have endings, loss, <laughs> you see? So they're always dancing hand in hand. And one of the key ways that we know how to have and learn how to have a wonderful relationship with death is by just looking at nature. You know, if you spend just a full day in nature, you realize what it means to be comfortable with the cycles of life. So a tree, you don't see a tree becoming depressed when her leaves start falling off in the autumn. <laughs> okay. The, the tree doesn't feel any kind of sadness in this because the, the tree understands that the falling of the leaves is part of the cycle of life, the cycle of birth and death and birth and death. Okay. And so you know, you, you, you don't see a snake. Another example, you don't see a snake freaking out because she's losing her skin. She's not, she's got to lose that skin in order for the new one to grow. So nature brings us the most beautiful examples of what it feels like to live in a full, in full harmony with death and with life, with endings and with beginning, with loss and with gain. Okay. So that's the second reason why so many of us try to bypass healing, even if we don't know it, is because we're very uncomfortable with death in whatever form it takes. You know, ending is death, a loss is death. Okay, so in whatever form it takes, we are inherently uncomfortable with death. We don't know how to deal with it. And so this is the second reason why so many of us bypass healing and try to get, in, get into the letting go phase prematurely. But now that you know the two primary reasons why we generally do that, then the resistance will stop <laughs> and it'll become much easier for you to do the healing work that's necessary in order to naturally let go and forgive. So now on to the second part of the video, and that is how do I heal the past? So we've put the letting go part aside and now we're going really in, in deep into this question. How do I heal the past? And I'm going to give you my four step process that I use in letting go and healing and in processing my own past experiences. So the first step uh, in the process of healing is committing to healing. 
Okay. So the moment that you say, I mean, I would say that this step is probably 80 or 90% of the work. Okay. Because when you say, I commit to healing whatever needs to be healed within me. When you say this with a powerful intention, you're finally letting go of the idea that you can run away from your past, that you can run away from the healing process. You can't. Sooner or later, we all realize that trying to jump in prematurely to letting go and forgiveness, it's not genuine. It's not authentic. We can't actually do it. And sooner or later, all of us realize this. This is why so many of us spend years and years and years carrying the past and trying to let go of it and trying to forgive and doing all these different techniques to forgive and to let go, but we can't really do it. And it's because we haven't done the healing process correctly. So this, in this first step, this is easy, maybe not easy, but it's simple in the sense that all you have to do is you have to say to yourself, I will not bypass healing anymore. <laughs> No matter what I have to see, if I have to sit with this pain, if I have to sit with my past for hours, for days, for weeks, for whatever, for months, it doesn't matter. I commit to healing whatever needs to be healed within me. I commit to healing this past experience, whatever it is for you. I commit fully to healing it, not to letting go of it. Because again, remember, letting go is a natural byproduct. You don't even need to do anything. I commit to healing. Okay. So once you make that conscious intention to commit to healing, that's 80 or 90% of the work <laughs> right there, because that means that you are no longer going to bypass healing, no matter how painful it is. The second step is one that's not talked about a lot, but I really have come to consider this one of the most important steps in the, in the healing process. And that second step is priming the ego. I call it priming the ego. <laughs> okay. Now, what does this mean? I actually learned this through experience. So, um, I learned this when I found out that I had been molested as a child. It took me over a year before I actually started the healing process, <laughs> right? It took me over a year because when I found out that I had been molested, it was during an ayahuasca ceremony. I work with plant medicine. It was during an ayahuasca ceremony. And I remember coming out of that ceremony and I thought, okay, this is done with, I'm, you know, this is good. I found this out. Great. And so I spent a year kind of bypassing the healing process. I wasn't doing this on purpose. I just, I thought I had let it go. You see, but what ended up happening was my life sort of fell apart and I came to a point where I realized that I had actually not done the work properly. I hadn't done the healing work properly. And why hadn't I done the healing work properly? It was because my ego had started firing those red flags saying, danger, danger, danger. You're not going to go into this space. You're not going to go into the pain of this sexual abuse because it's too much. It's too much. And so the ego had started you know, red flagging and it had tried to bypass the healing. And so what ended up happening was I came to a point in my life where I literally fell down on the floor and I said, I commit to healing. So I did step one. And then what I did that was super, this was crucial. And this is a crucial step for people who have any kind of past trauma, especially in childhood. So if you have an ego that is controlling or that if you have an ego that formed early in your childhood, 
as a response to trauma, this is particularly important for you, but this is important for everyone really, because whether you were traumatized as a child or not, the ego tends to be a self-protective mechanism no matter what. So what priming the ego means is that you are going to start reassuring the ego that the work that you're about to do is necessary and that it's for the benefit of mind, body, and soul. Okay. So this priming the ego is you're going to bring in so much love and compassion, and you're going to offer the ego a safe space. Okay. Now, when you start doing this, when you start priming the ego, and there are various ways of priming the ego, I used a lot of self-talk and I still do use a lot of self-talk when, when something painful comes up that I need to deal with. So I'll use self-talk. I use a lot of mantras. I love to use mantras to prime the ego. And what I'll say is I'll just start, I'll just start soothing self-talk. I'll say something like, everything is okay. I need to do this work. This work is for my highest benefit. We need to heal. This is necessary. So I will just keep talking. And, you know, some spiritual teachers, you know, or, or, you know, Alan Watts, one of my favorite philosophers, if he were alive today, he would say that, you know, mantras and self-talk is just basically the ego talking to itself. I realize this and that's okay. But to me, the way that it feels to me is that self-talk and mantra, it's actually coming from a place behind the ego. It's your awareness, your consciousness, your soul imparting a sense of security and trust to the ego. So I don't really agree that self-talk is the ego talking to itself, but that's a whole other video. But for the purpose of healing, just trust me when I say this. When you do this process of priming the ego, your healing work becomes so much easier because the ego drops its defenses when it knows that you are giving it safety, security. That's what the ego needs. The ego needs to feel safe. An ego that feels safe allows the inner work to continue. <laughs> okay. So whatever you do to prime your ego, it could be self-talk. It could be constant self-talk. Like on some days I would talk to myself a lot, a lot of loving. The self-talk is loving. It's not critical. It's not shut up, stupid ego. You know, what are you doing? It's none of this. It's very compassionate and loving self-talk. So it's things like you talk to your ego, basically like you would talk to a wounded child. So you would say things like, everything is okay. We need to do this. This is necessary. This is for my highest benefit. I'm going to live a joyful life after I heal. So we have to do this. Okay. So you keep this self-talk. The more that you talk to the ego this way, the more it calms down and the more the ego calms down, the more it lets you go into the healing space. So that's step two. The third step of the process is probably the most difficult, especially for, for highly sensitive people and for empaths. And the reason that this third step is difficult is because empaths and highly sensitive people, we have a lot of difficulty sitting with our emotions and with our emotional turmoil because it's just as painful. Emotional turmoil is just as painful to an empath as actually putting your hand on a hot flame. People don't realize this, but inner turmoil is extremely painful to highly sensitive people and especially empaths, which you probably are. So this third step is probably the most difficult, but it's necessary. The third step is sitting with the past. Okay. What does this mean? Sitting with the past means that 
I've done step one, I'm allowing myself to go into the space of healing. I've done step two, I primed my ego, so now my ego is quiet, it's calm, and it's trusting, and now I go in. I go into the wound. I go into the past painful experience. And as soon as I go into that wound, it's like taking a scab off of a wound that hasn't healed fully. When you tear the scab at, it's gonna start bleeding again. So as soon as I go into that very tender place that so many times I thought I had healed, but I did not, as soon as I go back into that place, it's all of this is going to start coming up. Emotions are going to start coming up. It's going to get really intense and I must learn to sit there in it. <laughs> I have to sit in my pain. I have to do something that so many of us resist. I must grieve. Okay. I must grieve. This was one of the things that I resisted for over a year. When I found out I had been molested, I thought, you know, I'm just going to let this go. All is well. Let's just let it go. And I did this for a year. And then when I finally fell to my knees and I said, nope, I'm doing this. I'm going to heal this pain. When I allowed myself to connect with that pain that was still very tender, it was still there. And I allowed myself to grieve what was lost. So much was lost in that experience for me. I remember grieving the loss of my innocence because when you're sexually abused, you lose your childhood innocence. It is lost. I sat there and I grieved the loss of trust. From that moment on, when you are abused by someone you love, you lose trust in everything, in everyone around you, in life. I lost trust in God. I, From that moment forward, I had a very problematic relationship with source energy for many years. And it was because of this. It was because of this loss. But I had never grieved this loss. This was very, very painful loss. I needed to grieve. You need to grieve if you have anything in your past that you need to let go of. You need to grieve. And this is what step three is. So when it comes to sitting with the past and grieving, I use a technique or a strategy that I call the double E's. <laughs> okay. And so the strategy is this, you're going to engage the pain. You will engage the pain, whatever it is. It could be rage at something that someone did to you. It could be anger. It could be just, you're just so sad. It could be deep sadness. It could be loneliness. Whatever it is that's in the mix of this past painful experience, you're going to engage it. That's the first E. Engage the pain. Don't recoil. Don't pull away. Don't look away. Don't pretend that you're doing the healing work when you're, when you're not. No. Engage that. And one of the ways that, that really helped me engage was I, I sometimes personalize pain. So when I was trying to heal uh, trust, I would talk to trust <laughs> as if it were a person. So sometimes personalizing your pain really helps in engaging with it because then you can have, you can start having a conversation with your pain and that really helps in the healing process. So the first E is engage with whatever's coming up. No recoiling, no ignoring, engage with it. The second E is embrace it. <laughs> okay. Whatever comes up, it could be the darkest, most horrible emotion you've ever felt. It doesn't matter. You are going to embrace it because it's a part of you. It's a part of you, beautiful soul. It's a part of you. All that rage that you could be feeling, that sadness that you could be feeling, whatever happened to you, whatever has happened to you. And if it's, when it's coming up, you must please embrace it. Okay. 
please embrace it. It's a part of you. It's not outside of you. It's within you. Embrace it. Okay. So these are the two E's engage with the pain and then embrace the pain, embrace it. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. It's being processed and it needs to be, it needs to be embraced and loved as you're doing this healing. And remember this to fully grieve you must be okay with death. Okay. So this goes back to what we talked about a little while ago. You must be comfortable and accepting, not just, not just comfortable, accepting of death as a part of, of the cycle of life. Okay. So whatever happened to you, you must grieve it and you must be okay with death as you grieve it. So maybe it was a relationship that disintegrated and you have to grieve that loss. Maybe it was the loss of your innocence, childhood trauma. You have to grieve that loss. Maybe it was something that you did to someone else. Maybe you did really hurtful things to someone else. You have to grieve that loss also. Okay. So grieving is very connected to death and you must become accepting and comfortable with death in order to continue this healing process. I'm going to add a side note here because I get so many emails and many, many of my clients reach me because they're having uh, relationship issues. So I'm going to uh, put a side note here. And the side note is that when we go through separation uh, with uh, romantic partners, with partners that we have a very strong soul connection with. So I get a lot of emails from people who are twin flames, for instance, or have really deep uh, soulmate connections. These, um, these people, when they come to work with me, they haven't gone through the grieving process. And it, there's a particular reason why they haven't gone through the, the, the grieving process during the separation is because when you have a soul connection, especially a twin flame connection, when you separate from that person, if you separate from that person, your ego is resisting the grieving phase. Why? <laughs> so many people say this, when I start to work on the grieving process with a twin flame or a soulmate, they'll say to me, I don't want to go there. I don't want to grieve because if I grieve, I'm afraid that what grieving means is that I'll never come back together with that person. And I love them so much. They're my twin flame. I want to reconcile with them or they're my soulmate. I want to reconcile with them. So I don't want to go into any grieving because that would mean they would never come back. That would mean it would just be the end. <laughs> you see? So this is one of the most difficult processes that I have to go through. And you may not be a twin flame, or, but you may have a very strong soul connection with someone. And this may be the past that you're trying to work through and let go regardless of if you want to come back together with that person or not, you must grieve. Okay. And here's why, because even if you come back together with that person, you and that person will not be the same. <laughs> so in essence, the death of the old has already occurred, whether you get back together with that person or not. So you must grieve. Okay. You must grieve the loss of the old so that then you, you give the opportunity for the new to come in. So if you do come together with this person, again, you're going to be two brand new people coming into a new connection essentially. Okay. So if you're in this situation right now where you're separated from a deep soul connection, like a twin flame or a soulmate connection, you must still go through the process of grieving and please do not resist this because if you don't go through the grief, if you don't go through the healing of the past, you can't create a future with this person or with anyone else. 
Okay, so that was a side note, just particularly for people who have uh, strong soul connections, because that's the majority of my clients and it's the majority of people that I get emails about uh, healing in the past has to do a lot with uh, romantic relationship, especially with connections like twin flames and soulmates. From an energy perspective, and I'm an energy alchemist, so I wanna give you the energy perspective of this. When you do not grieve, what you're doing is you are repressing your energy system. So you're creating stagnation in the system. What you don't grieve, what you don't process and what you don't heal stagnates. And energy hates to be stagnant. Energy wants to be on the move, constantly flowing with life. It's like a big river or an ocean. It's always an ebb and flow. So when you don't grieve, when you go, don't go through the healing process, you are stagnating your energy. And this is why so many people come to me and they say, I thought I let go of my past, but I still feel stuck. And they'll use this word a lot, feeling stuck. Well, you feel stuck because the energy of the past is stagnated in your system and you've got to be able to free it. And that's what the grieving process does. That's what the sitting with the past does. So this step three, although it's the most difficult step probably in your healing process, it's, it's, I'm not going to say the most important, but it's crucial. It is crucial that you follow this third step and that you learn to grieve. You learn to accept death as part of the, the cycle of life and that you learn to accept and grieve loss, endings, all of this, so that then you can start to make room for the new. The process of grief, this third process, the process of sitting with the past, grieving it, engaging it, embracing it. This process, I get this question a lot. People say to me, I've been doing this for years and I'm just tired of this. I just want to let go of the past. I'm tired. <laughs> I get this a lot. So I'm going to leave this, this here for you. Don't count the days, please. Don't keep track of how long step three is taking you. It can take hours. And this is the good news. This is the good news. So I'll give you an example from my own life. I just yesterday, I'm shooting this video right now and just yesterday, I was actually going to shoot this video yesterday, but I couldn't. Why? Because I myself was processing through a past experience that I thought had been healed and it hadn't. And it just came up so quickly and so intensely that I literally sat on the floor and I was sobbing for a good two or three hours. <laughs> so I wasn't able to shoot this video yesterday. I shot it today. And here's the wonderful thing about creating mastery as a spiritual master, as an energy master. When you create mastery at doing this, the healing process goes by faster. So today, 24 hours later, I have completely different energy and I have healed that issue that just yesterday I was toiling in. Okay. So this is the thing. This is what I want you to stay positive about. What took me, what used to take me years to heal now is taking a mere hours or 24 hours. And it's because once you learn to do this process of healing, you learn to move the energy. It becomes easier. Your energy then goes up. It keeps ascending. It keeps ascending. The more your energy ascends, the easier the healing process is. Okay. So stay positive about this. Initially, sure. This healing process, step three, sitting in the past, it can take days, weeks, months, sometimes years, although years, I don't think by the time you're watching this video. And if you've been following my videos, if you're part of my community and you've been learning all from all the other videos, you're not in a place anymore in your life where you're, where this is going to take years, but it may take days, weeks, or months. This, I will say to you, it may take months and that's okay. You have to be okay with that. All right. So stop counting the days that your healing process is taking and just commit to it one day at a time with a lot of love and compassion, because at the end, 
end of the healing process, you're going to be a totally different person with so much light and so much to give and so much love and so much energy. Okay. It's worth it. Trust me. Now the fourth step in the process is my favorite. <laughs> okay. And it's called Tonglen. All right. Now what is Tonglen? So Tonglen is a Tibetan Buddhist practice that I learned from one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Pema Chodron. And Tonglen is a beautiful, beautiful practice that's a bit counterintuitive, especially to Westerners, okay? So I'm sure that you've probably been to a meditation class or a yoga group or some kind of situation where you walk in and the instructor says, or you've probably heard this before, the instructor says, all right, everybody, let's just, you know, let's breathe out the negative vibes and let's breathe in good energy, out with the negative vibes, in with good energy. I'm sure you've heard this somewhere, <laughs> especially in personal development circles. We all want to breathe out the bad vibes and breathe in good vibes. Tonglen is exactly the opposite. <laughs> so in Tonglen, why I love this practice and it has helped me so much in healing is that what Tonglen asks you to do is precisely the opposite. So with Tonglen, what you do is you begin to recognize that your predicament and your pain, it's not only yours. So I'll give you an example with my, you know, with my past sexual healing, my, the sexual abuse that I had as a child, I would sit there and I would say, I would close my eyes and I would say somewhere on this planet out of 7 billion people, somewhere on this planet, there is someone else going through exactly the same pain that I am right now. At least one person, the odds are really high that out of 7 million people on this planet, at least one person is going through the same pain having had the same type of experience as I had. And you sit with that. And what that does is when you begin to recognize that your pain is not really just your own, because sometimes when we're trying to heal pain, we contract a lot. We it's like we have blinders on. We can't see anything around us because the intensity of the pain is so, it's so intense that we kind of contract into it. What Tonglen does, the first part of Tonglen is it shows you that in fact, you're not the only person on the planet that's suffering from this. Okay. And so what it does is the moment that you recognize this same pain in someone else, even if you don't know that person, the moment that you recognize that you expand immediately, your chest just comes out and you're like, Oh my gosh, there is someone else on this planet that's going through the same pain that I'm going through right now. And that immediately opens your heart to compassion and empathy. And then what you do is you say, I am going to breathe in the pain, that pain and that sorrow from others and from myself. I'm going to breathe that pain in. I'm going to take it in and then I'm going to breathe out love and compassion and kindness and empathy towards any soul that is going through the same issue I am, including myself. You see how beautiful this is. You make yourself this beautiful, big spiritual being who not only is healing for self, but now you're healing for others. And it's so beautiful. This practice is so beautiful and it has helped me heal many, many wounds. And I know that it's probably helped heal many other people around the world because every time I do this practice, you're affecting change on someone else. They may not know you. They may not know you're doing this Tonglen practice 
practice, it doesn't matter. You're still helping to heal them. So in Tonglen, this is the fourth step. This is the step that I recommend to everyone. Do this practice. Sit in your pain, recognize your pain, then recognize that someone else on the planet is probably going through this at the same time as you. And then you're going to breathe in the sorrow and the pain that you feel and that others feel in the same situation. And you're going to breathe out loving kindness, compassion, empathy. Okay. And this practice, that's why it's the fourth step in the practice. This is a wrap up. <laughs> this is a wrap up. When you finish doing Tonglen, you could do it every single day until you feel like the healing process is over. But this fourth step is so beautiful and it's such a beautiful, loving way to help yourself heal, but also the planet. And now I want to hear from you. What painful past experiences do you feel like you're still struggling to heal and to let go? Um, let me know in the comments below. And if you have a question that you want me to answer on my weekly videos, leave them also in the comment with the hashtag ask Christina. Don't forget that hashtag because that's how we find the questions to shoot these videos. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel here or head over to my website where you can take my five minute heart quiz that's going to help you understand if your heart is blocked and what you can do to open it. And if you enjoyed this video, check it out. There are more over here for you to watch. I love you, beautiful soul. I am out.